0: Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. and my guest today is Noreen Lane. Thank you for joining me.
1: Oh, you're welcome, and good morning.
0: Good morning. Um, <laughs> I wanted to first let the audience know how I came, how um, our paths crossed. Um, I actually heard about your story from your son, uh, Lionel. Me and him was just talking by chance, and he was just telling me how— um, You know, you all grew up in Baltimore, you raised them in Baltimore, but you were able to actually go back to school and complete your degree.
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: And I I, I just found that very fascinating because, I mean, I I haven't had anywhere near as many challenges, but for some reason, I just can't seem to complete mine. So I just wanted to um, congratulate you on that.
1: Well, thank you. And it was very challenging, but so worth it. So how tough was it to
0: initially get started with college?
1: It was really tough. Um there were many obstacles. The first one really was in my thinking and it was my age because I I just didn't want to sit in class with um children or with students my kids' age. And I thought that it would be I said, I'm gonna be the oldest person in the class. So I had these misconceived notions that weren't true. Um, I decided to attend Strayer because Strayer had a program that would fit my needs in terms of working and um, starting and finishing a degree. And when I got to Strayer, I noticed that it was very diverse. There were all ages, people as old as um, 80, that just wanted to be better, that just wanted to learn and to grow. And I I wanted to position myself to have better choices. And raising my children in Baltimore, part of that time I was a single parent, I didn't have the choices that I wanted to move forward in a career. And so I committed to myself that once my children were finished school, and um, part of my celebration as an empty nester would be that now I could focus on me.
0: Wow. <laughs> most, people, most people go after the empty nest to start traveling and doing things that they, didn't, that they wasn't able to do when they had kids, you know, while they were raising kids. But you, you, you actually changed the narrative to decide to do self-improvement.
1: Yes, and that was important to me because during my parenting years, it was important to me to present assets to society, to the community and not liabilities. And so what that meant for me was that my goal was to make them, to pour into them and help them develop in any way possible so that when they left me, they'd be able to go out and write their signature and I'd be proud. And so it was a denying of my personal goals um, to pour into them so that they could excel. And I feel really good about that because I can say that I have four adults, two young men and two young women that are doing their thing. Um, I've never had to visit prison, never had to bail anyone out. They're all community oriented and focused on just their gifting and what they have to give to society. So I I feel really good about that. So my delayed gratification was worth it to help them get out there.
0: Wow. So what was the biggest challenges you faced while you were in college?
1: Focus. Focus was the biggest challenge because while you're doing what you do, attending school, and I worked full-time, went to school part-time, but then life hits you and you kind of get, um, you get these sidebars, is what I call them, that you can't control, people dying, people getting sick. These, the challenges that come whether or not you attend school has nothing to do with school. It's just life happening. And so in order to complete your goal, you got to keep your focus. And then you have to multitask and handle the sidebars. And stay focused to do what you're doing. Continue working. Then children were... Um, My kids at that time started having families, then I had grandchildren, then I had sick parents, then I had sick grandparents, then I had a sick sister. So all of these things, and they all passed before I crossed the stage. So during the last death, which was my younger sister, we were just one year apart, I dropped out because I just felt I didn't have it. I just felt I needed time to recover because her death hit me the hardest. And um, the other piece was time management. So focus, number one, time management, number two, because you have to be intentional about your time. That's the one thing you don't get back. And so to this day, you know, I am very um, intentional about where I invest my time and how, because that you do not get back. So you should at least feel good about how you invest your time. So that's a big deal for me. Um, so those two things were, um, were my big hurdles, you know, staying focused, sticking with the goal and managing my time. Because there are other, other things that other priorities, school was a priority. But I also had a spouse. I also had grandchildren. I also had children. And so doing that balancing act was, um, was a challenge.
0: did you ever doubt that you eventually were finished?
1: No. I settled that in the beginning because, again, this was my gift to Noreen. And Noreen had not thought about the things that were important to her during my parenting years. Before I became an empty nester, I was all in for my children. And um, I had not thought about who I was and what I wanted to accomplish once they left. And when they When the last child left, well, really right before the last child left, I started getting to know me and understanding that there were really some hidden treasures there that I never paid attention to because, again, I was all in with parenting. And I don't regret it. I feel that I did the best thing um, for my family and ultimately the best thing for myself.
0: Wow. Well, so would you say that you was your biggest motivation to finish?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because raising my children, I didn't have options for my career path. Um, I, had to, I had to have a job to take care of them. And um, so for me, and I've always been a thinker, I've always loved to learn, I would consider myself a nerd because, and, but a very proud nerd, because I, I will forever be a student, I'll be taking a class somewhere, because I have this, this really intense desire to learn, and to grow, and, um and going to, finishing undergrad, education helps you to think on another level, and you discover dormant abilities that need to be awakened, they're there, but education helps you, it kind of takes the lock off of Part of your brain, and you're like, wow, I didn't know I liked that. I didn't know I liked this. For instance, um, in undergrad, I had to do a paper for every class. I was so discouraged and so really angry, because I didn't understand why it was necessary to do a paper in a math class. And so in my frustration, I, you know, I said to one of my professors, what is this paper business? why is this necessary this is math and he said noreen we want you to cross curriculum we want you to use both sides of your brain and writing helps you to do that well it wasn't until my second year that i didn't, I, I realized i loved writing and i loved research but since I, I hadn't had the opportunity that was one of those dormant abilities that was there I, i'd never had that opportunity and so undergrad helped to uncover that and today that's one of my favorite things to do. I love digging for information, gathering, putting the pieces together. Um, it's, it's just very exciting for me.
0: Wow, it's, uh, like, it's just uh, fascinating to hear somebody say like, um, you know, using both sides of your brain because a lot of us, myself included, a lot of times I don't think about using my complete brain. It's just like, I'm just so used to going about my day you know what what comes natural to me, so I don't get to exercise the my brain like I should, mm-hmm. wow, um, so we talked so you know you had the challenges, you know you had the things that got in the way, but eventually you did walk across that stage, so Yay! what was the fi- <laughs> what, was, <laughs> what was the Ooh. feeling you had when you finally walked across the stage?
1: I have, I have tried to um, just put that moment into words, you know, so that I could say it. So first of all, let me let me back up by saying the week before the week of graduation, and this is really, this is really bizarre, but this is how it happened for me. The week of graduation, I woke up every morning and I said, "I'm graduating." <laughs> every. And, like, I look in the mirror, I'm, I was so excited and so pumped up that I had overcome all these obstacles. And I mean, each day I woke up just, you know, just yelling and screaming, like, this is my week, I did it, I did it. And um, it was the excitement was, was multiplied times better than I had ever imagined because in my head, in my mind, I had already crossed that stage before I physically walked it. I had done it in my head. And, um, in times when, you know, I felt like I needed a little push. I had, um, one of Diana Ross's songs called I'm Coming Out. And when I needed to push Noreen, I would get in that car and blast it and I'd sing with her. And, um, you know, that was, that was one of my songs to go to when I, when I needed that push, because oftentimes you won't have people that Um, will push you on your journey. And sometimes it's just you. I mean, people will cheer you on, but sometimes it's just you. And if it's just you, you have to be on your own team. And so you have to find ways to motivate yourself. You have to know who you are. And that's one of the things that Empty Nesting did for me. It helped me to focus on who is Noreen now and where does she want to go? And what do you want what do you? What does she want her contribution to look like? How will I sign my name now? And who will know I, w- I was here by saying or doing what? And I think it's our responsibility to write our signature, whatever way we do it, whether you write or, or podcast or do books or do TV or teach children. What, how, but we have a responsibility to write our signature. And our signature is very unique because since there's just one of you and one of me, no one can do it like we do it.
0: Wow, that's great that's, <laughs> that's some great information to have. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Yes, I feel very passionate about that. and even with the um with the gifting of our children, you know, as you raise children and you look at them and trying to get to know who they are so that you can push them in the area of their giftings because we all come here with something that's unique to us. But if you get to know your child and not try to shape and mold them into who you want them to be, because we can all have preconceived desires for our children, but if we would look at them and watch their behaviors and see what they're drawn to and um, begin to move them in that direction, because if we listen, they will tell us who they are, but then they need us to help shape them. You'll, You'll get clues of who your children are, and then you can help push them in that direction. So, um, yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my passion.
0: You know what, we didn't really plan to talk about this, but since you kind of touched on it, I wanna kind of address it because, you know, being a parent, it's always good to have insight, and especially someone who's raised for successful kids. So let me ask you, because, you know, you grew up in Baltimore, single parent. Was it a challenge to do that? Because a lot of times, you know, you're working, you're so busy. Like, how did you manage to even make, you know, be able to read your kids? Because it, it sounds like because you've done it, I'm not going to say you take it for granted. But a lot of people, you know, just to, with the stress of life and just trying to provide for the kids, they don't really get a chance to actually sit down and have a conversation with their kids. So how did you actually make the time to do that?
1: Well, I I had, first of all, I'm a believer. Um, And so having an anchor in God, um, because since I didn't have that natural anchor in a husband after the divorce, I had to rely on another type of support. And so for me, that was that was Christianity. That was God. That was his word. And so that was my anchor. That's what I delivered to my children. And that's how I built the foundation um, of raising a family. So we we did what I say is missing today. And um, and I call it, you know, the the dinner table. The dinner table, because parents are so busy now, they're running and going and trying to provide and and wanting to give kids lifestyle and education. And while all of that is important, we miss that one-on-one time where we um, sit down and we talk about our day, we interview each other. We're not allowed to get up from the table until everyone is finished. You're forced to develop relationships. Those are your first relationship building skills. And it starts with the family. But if the family is torn and pulled in many directions, we miss that time of shaping and growing and developing our kids, and then you can't get it back because you teach them time, you teach them um, conflict resolution by telling them you work it out. What, is, what did he say? What did she say? Okay, you work it out. And you don't referee every disagreement. So because once they leave your house, they're going to take those skills that they learned at the dinner table and begin to negotiate and work out problems in the real world. But if they don't get that, they become very aggressive. Um, they, pouting is OK. Shutting down is OK. These are things that are addressed at the table. So we would say things like, well, how was your day? What did you like about it? What did you like about it? And we do the same thing in the house. And so everyone had a, a um, responsibility, whether it was dishes. I said, I, I don't have a dishwasher. I have four children. You're the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> so I am, I am not going to shop and prepare the food and clean the kitchen. That's not going to happen. So you designate um, what you, you teach them responsibility by the little things. Your room is your responsibility. I don't clean your room. And so you give them responsibility and they be, and you begin to build on that. And they learn respect and they learn time management. I had at one point to say, I need an hour once I get in from work to unwind from the traffic and from the busy day. And then I'm ready to resume my evening duties with the family. and But I didn't know I needed that all the time. But once I recognized that I needed to unwind, then, you know, for me, so that I could present the best mom, because now I'm in job number two. And these little people, they need me no matter what. And I still have a responsibility. So I think if we could bring the dinner table atmosphere back, maybe not every day, maybe two or three times a week where we sit and talk and get to know each other. Um, There would be less episodes of depression. There would be less responses to mental illness because we would address those issues in a safe environment. That dinner table should be safe.
0: You know, this is not the first time, like, I've done a few interviews, and this is not the first time I heard that about the dinner table. Um, One of my guests, I can't remember who it was, but they were telling me, like, they always have dinner at the table and the way you know ironically my life me, me and my wife when we don't really do it that often but we can it's not it's, we had the time to do it like we had the means to just sit down for 20 or 30 minutes and just have dinner as a family but a lot of times we just don't and it, it, And just having this conversation with you and the other guests that I had, it just makes me really think about that. You know, I need to incorporate that more because it's important.
1: It's a real gift to your children. It's time that they want, because one day they're going to have a dinner table. And so the things that they get from you in an uninterrupted, no television atmosphere, because what you're saying is you're important enough to me to stop everything for these 30 minutes or these 20 minutes or whatever it is, and get to know you. Because as our children grow, they change. And like I said, they will give you clues about who they are and where they want to go. And if you miss those clues, you may push them in a different direction and cause them to possibly abort their destiny because you weren't there to listen with an open ear. The other thing is we teach our children not just to listen, but to hear. And those are difficult things to, to get as an adult. If you weren't turned, because I can hear you, but it doesn't mean I'm listening to you. So when I say, so, so what did I say to you? Okay, you said, and I repeat it back to you. I listened and I heard you and I understand you. Those are skills that will take them, will get them through so many hurdles. And it can be developed without a psychiatrist, <laughs> without a counselor, right at the dinner table. Right at the, there's no TV, there, it's just you, me, whoever that family, those family dynamics are, whether it's mom and some children, mom and dad and some children, mom, grandma and some children, but that dinner table, it is such a therapeutic gift that we are missing in this time.
0: Wow. It's just, it's just, it's just so, it's just crazy, like how we just, don't take time to do the little things. Like, you know, we, we don't like, I'm and I'm mainly speaking for myself, like, you know, we're in a good position, me and my wife, we do have good conversations, but we don't, we do, we, like, we. I, I'll say this, we do a good job of doing things as a family, like going out, being social, but on a day-to-day basis, I think we could do, I think me and her could improve with just sitting down as a unit, you know, having dinner with our daughter. It's just life moving so fast, like, but I, but you can't, you do have the ability to slow things down.
1: It's just. You have, yes. You have to slow it down and understand that this is time that you are investing in her future by slowing it down and pouring into her. That, and it may feel awkward the first few times. It may feel like, Can I read my book or can I go watch my program or can I get on my game? You know, it may feel because life has trained us um, to move fast. We do everything fast. But you have the ability to slow it down. And what you would transfer to your daughter, what she could take for a lifetime and no one can take it away from her.
0: Okay. That's, you know, thank you for that. I appreciate it. That's something that. That we, as a family are going to work on, I wanted to transition to um to um another topic you, you when we when we first talked because you know we, we talked in order to set things up. you told me that you have a special song that you wrote, what prompted you to write it?
1: Yes, okay, so we go back to undergrad research. This research that I fussed about writing papers led me to. Writing this song. I have a daughter who works for the Army um, on the civilian side. She's an auditor. And one day, her boss asked her to attend a Gold Star um, welcoming ceremony, for lack of a better term. But it's a ceremony where those who have lost someone serving um, are embraced in the Gold Star family. And her supervisor happened to be the keynote speaker for this particular um, session and she invited my daughter to attend along with the other teammates. And so one of the things that she, um, after she heard her, her presentation, her speech, she called me and she said, mom, they don't have a song. She said they had a little girl sing the Pledge of Allegiance. And she said, they don't have a song. And I said, well, I think I, think I should write one. I said, their story is worth telling. And just like that, just from a conversation This gold star song, um, I was inspired to write it. When I started doing my research, I saw that there is no other song written about the gold star and that most people don't know if you see someone wearing that gold star, they've lost someone serving. And they just want you to say, thank you for your service. And that's all they want. They want someone to acknowledge that I'm wearing this because he or she is gone. But yet we misinterpret the the um, pen for um, an award um, or something you can purchase when indeed it has a very deep meaning. So my song um, is a song that will teach it teaches you about the gold star and at the same time it tells you how those wearing it feel and my angle was from a wife who has lost the husband serving but it's not gender um, it's not gender specific but at the time, that I was inspired, I was writing it as a woman who had lost her spouse serving. And um, so I'm very proud of the song. It's four years old now. And I um, am very excited to see, um, in my opinion, I see it in a um, in a movie. Um, so just be listening out for it. It's called It's in the Gold Star. Um, I'm the writer, my daughter's the co-writer and it's on all of the um, uh, music outlets for purchase. So, yes, I'm very proud of it's in the gold star.
0: Well, congratulations. Um, oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> I,
0: I definitely respect you taking the time to do that because it, I'm sure it took a lot of effort. It took a lot of research. So I definitely commend you for doing it.
1: Well, thank you. And I guess the other piece is that I, we are a non-military family. So I literally had—I don't have sons that served or dad or grandparents or uncles. So someone with that background, trying to understand, to get inside of um, the thinking of, of military persons, it required a lot of, lot of research. And I had to literally, I had to get in and understand all the dynamics around it so that I could write to reach them. So in, in order for me to tell their story, I had to understand where they were. And that's where that research piece came in from undergrad.
0: How long did it take to
1: write the song? Uh, to complete the song, about two weeks. Oh, okay. But the the, um, the frame of the song was done in about two days because I knew what I wanted to say. I just needed to make sure um, that I reached the audience that I wanted to reach, and that also the audience that did not understand what the gold star was about that they also could get it. They could, at the end of the song, they would say, I didn't know that. Now I understand.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I'm be honest. I, I work, I work for the DOD and I never heard of the gold star. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to actually listen to the song.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we, um, the song is sung by a woman named Amy Clute. Um, but and even the, um, the packaging for the song, designing the jacket um, was really special because I knew that this piece would be seen um, wherever the song went. And so in my when I started the song, I thought of a broken heart. So I had um I had a broken heart drawn. Uh, so there's a crack in the middle and the gold star is right there in the middle of the heart because once you lose that person your heart's broken and all you're left with is the gold star so even for the album cover for the song cover the inspiration to do the broken heart with the gold star in the middle was um it it was just you know again when you see the jacket it tells you you look at the broken heart and the gold star and it all comes together
0: wow Wow. <laughs> I'm definitely going to give it a listen. Thank you. Now, I wanted to conclude, um, you know, this has been a great conversation for me and hopefully my listeners, and I learned a lot. Um, what is any, what's some advice you could give, like, you know, to close us this, close this out? Like,
1: Okay. I would say, like I prefaced earlier about taking time get to know yourself at whatever stage you're in, whatever age you are, so that you can um, get to your untapped potential. I think it's really important to, with all the labels that family and society and jobs put on us, but if you strip away all those labels and who people want you to be and who they say you are, but who are you really? So if you could take the time to interview yourself and without fear and and get to know who you are, because sometimes fear of what we may discover will keep us from accepting the truth. But we are who we are. And um, doing that will cause us to not wear other people's expectations. And so if you get to know yourself, because we're constantly changing, And one thing I shared with my two girls is that um, every five years you're going to go through a change. And so if at 20, if I'm giving you what you don't need, then you need to tell me because what you need at 20 is not what you'll need at 25 or 30 or 35. What's important is that the people in your life won't know those changes unless you make it known. And so if I'm giving you, um, roses on your 25th birthday, but you don't like them anymore. and You never tell me. I still think I'm satisfying you. So it's good. It's, it's, it's your responsibility to communicate as you grow and change um, what you like and what you don't like. And that's part of getting to know yourself without apology, without apology and being able to tap in to your untapped potential and then give it away. You know, what do you want to achieve? Who are you? And what would cause you to present your best self now? What is that? What do you need to do to present your best self now? And, and again, what does your signature look like? What will, how will people know that you were here? What will you leave? So that's, that's, my, that's my advice to get time, strip away the labels, strip away the titles, and figure out who you are and what you want to achieve.
0: And move in that direction. I wanted to. Um, I wanted to take this time again to thank you for doing this. Um, I hope your kids know um, you truly are inspiration. Um, you wanted to like when I started the idea of when I came up with the concept of what I wanted to do with my podcast. The ideas I had, um, I had people like I didn't know you at the time when when I started it. But people like you or who I had in mind. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, because I, I feel like there's so many amazing people walking this earth. They have, you know, they have great stories. They have journeys that should be told. But a lot of times we only hear about people's journey when, you know, they're famous. You know what I'm saying? Yes. The people who 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 have a public name and they've been exposed. But... You don't get to talk. You don't get to hear about a woman who had a single mom growing up in Baltimore. You know, Baltimore is not the, Baltimore is one of the most notorious cities in America. But you have yes. you have a black woman who raised four successful kids, and then after she raised her kids, went on to bigger and better things, going to college. You know, remarrying. You know, raising grandkids. And I, I find stories like this fascinating and they're inspiration. And I, and I really hope people get an opportunity to hear. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this.
1: Thank you. And it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, for those listening, I want to thank you for listening again. If you want to follow me, my um, Instagram and Facebook is Conversations with Lance. And if you like what you heard, please like. Like my page, subscribe to it, and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you all for listening, and have a great day.